Hello and welcome to another episode of La La. La La. I'm Sam. I'm Alistair. And you're joining us as we look back on another episode of Doctor Who Series 1. And this one is a scorcher. It actually, this is like one of the best certainly of Series 1, if not of the whole of New Who. I'm getting out my rubber stamp. I'm dipping it in ink. And on that stamp, it says certified hot. Not certified fresh. Certified I, I, I thought last second I don't want to steal that, and I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm taking my classic DVD edition of this episode, and I'm and I'm stamping it mm-hmm. right down. We are of course talking about Doctor Who series one episode six Dalek. Yes. yes. Um, let me know who wrote this. Uh, so this episode was written by Robert Shearman. Robert Shearman has only actually written one episode. This is the only one he's written for Doctor Who, which is quite surprising, I think. He's known more for, like, theatre, short stories. He has written a lot of Big Finish for Doctor Who, though. Wow. And directed by Joe Adheen. This episode came out on the 30th of April, 2005. This actually came out two days after my ninth birthday. That's actually terrifying. <laughs> like, when I think I think of this and I'm like, oh my god, this is such a good, like, recent episode of Doctor Who. And then I remember my that love, it is closer no. to 20 years old. Mm-mm. I mean, we're now at a point where, like, I'm, I'm within touching distance of 30 now. This, is how, this has been out for a while. That's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, would you like to go through the plot a bit of this episode? Yeah, let's talk about it. So, the Doctor and Rose follow a distress call to an extraterrestrial museum in the year 2012. Mm-hmm. It is run by Mr. Van Staten in Utah. He's the collector of this museum, alongside a visit from Diana Goddard and Adam, his assistant. The distress call was actually coming from the last Dalek, a survivor of the Time War, and this terrifies the Doctor when they come face to face. He tries to kill it, but the Dalek escapes when Rose touches it, and it uses the internet to revive itself to its full strength. Its mission is to escape and kill anything that isn't a Dalek, including all the security in the museum, though it can't seem to kill Rose, because they now have a special connection. And just as it's about to escape, the Doctor threatens to kill it, but Rose stops him. And the Dalek self-destructs when it realises it's become impure, and the Doctor and Rose leave with Adam, the assistant from the museum, on their next adventure. Mm. Now, what did you think of this episode overall? I thought it was absolutely gorgeous. I thought this was mm-hmm. flawless. I think this was a really great, scary reintroduction of the Daleks. Mm-hmm. And the design of the Dalek itself is absolutely gorgeous Mm -hmm. this is the definitive dark design of the last 17 years i mean let's talk about that a bit to start with like it just goes to show like new who as we said it's expanding nearly what 20 years and within classic who the dalek design though i would say the actual like build of it didn't change that much it changed its design frequently like almost every time the daleks were a different color palette Mm. or a slightly different size or the earpieces were different Mm. anytime they even try to change (laughs) the dalek design in new who the the fans just like call out and they're like nope go back go back go back yeah it it has become the quintessential dalek design it has the bronze dalek was really meant to be the time war design Mm -hmm. and i guess not meant to kind of stick around this long Mm -hmm. and um they've had a few good attempts that have nearly been solid at kind of redesigning the dalek and coming Mm -hmm. up with a really really um nice your definitive look um but can I, I ask this yeah go on what were they well i think the paradigm daleks right the power ranger daleks were mm. nearly they were nearly good they were nearly good i think Stephen moffat said looking back at it you know you know was it done as well as it could have been maybe everyone always calls them the lego daleks yeah and i feel like had they maybe adjusted the colors a little more the concept was very interesting i like the idea that they all had kind of individual personalities and very like distinct roles i will say this i've seen a lot of discourse on twitter where in later, so obviously those were introduced in series five and they were very like bold primary colours. But when maybe later in the assignment of the Daleks, you see the same Dalek design, but with like a 
deep, dark, metallic paint, yep. like red or blue, yep. it does look a lot better. We do know that in the new series, they're abandoning the bronze Dalek design and they're mm. going to be redoing it. And I'm hoping they can come up with something really cool and as iconic as what they brought in here. I do wonder if they can do something similar to like Victory of the Daleks where the episode opens with these, you know, classic bronze Daleks and then the new design gets introduced or if it would just open from the get-go with the new Daleks. Have you seen um, whenever Ross T. Davies has done like an interview or a photo shoot in his room where he writes, like at home, mm-hmm. he has a huge classic collection Dalek. of classic Daleks. So he's he's a he's a big it's fan. It's the um, figurine collection, the Doctor figurine collection. He has like every single, uh, certainly every single Dalek, if not like a subscription to have every single one, like all I love shelf. the idea that he's on subscription and that his name kind of comes up on the mailing list. And someone has to send them out and they're like, oh my God, it's Russell. Oh my God, it's Russell. Send a good one. Send a good one. I know. But it's funny because these gold classic Daleks were so classic and they become so iconic but they were designed as they were to be at the same height that the eye stalk would be level with billy piper's eyes because mm. she was quite short so it means that these daleks then forevermore have been quite short oh really yeah no i would have thought these daleks were quite large i don't know if you've ever been to kind of a doctor who experience or exhibition mm. or something daleks are, are surprisingly big I mean, they're cumbersome in that they're certainly sort of bottom-heavy, I will say. Not to body shame the Daleks. Whoa. But the Paradigm Daleks were, like, much more imposing. They were taller than Matt Smith. Like, they're pear-shaped babes. They are. They're pear-shaped babes. Pear-shaped babes. Um, but looking back on the episode, I thought opening in the museum was quite cool. There's a mm. lot of sort of treasure trove of different things you can spot. Was there anything that you spotted in the museum? I would love more? to have a wander around that museum. For me, mm. it evokes memories of the 2005 Doctor Who exhibition in Brighton. Mm, and having a wander around, if you've ever seen Doctor Who props or any kind of movie and film props up close, it's mm-hmm. always quite a strange experience to kind of see those things in real life mm-hmm. and actually be able to kind of be within touching distance of them. I didn't get to go to the Brighton exhibition, but I went to the one in London around sort of like in between series five and series six. Um, oh, I went to that one too. Did we both go? We both went. It's so fun where they have like the little story thing at the beginning and then at the end there's yes, the exhibition that you where, the, where the wall cracks open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We were both there. We were both, I wonder we if we were at the same time. Oh. That was was cute that is cute and like you said when you get to go into like the tardis at the end and you're in yes, like, and the floor TARDIS, shakes and the floor shakes and everything it's it's just weird seeing something that you're so seeing on tv in real life it's very strange isn't it it's really exciting mm-hmm. so it reminded me of that um there's a few little easter eggs i think inside the museum yeah yeah for sure there was the xenomorph egg yeah, no, so uh, on the left of the TARDIS, there was one of the Xenomorph eggs. You pointed out in the rewatch, obviously it's not, but there's something that looks a lot like Tony Stark's arc reactor. Oh, yeah, the... like the first thing that they mm-hmm. walk past in the first glass case. It looks like a Tony Stark arc reactor. Mm-hmm. And I like the um, the classic Cyberman head. It's not like the most recent Cyberman at the time from like the 80s. I think it's one from the 70s. Yeah. Uh, but I really like that. And you commented, which I thought was interesting, the difference in the Doctor's tone when he's talking about the Cybermen. Yeah. As like a something he's looking back on compared to obviously later when he meets the Dalek. Yeah, it's funny. He looks at the Cybermen. It's kind of like, oh, there's a there's a funny old memory. There's a there's a throwback. Mm-hmm. And uh, meeting the Dalek, it's kind of like pure dread. Like you can't yeah. be here. I do wonder when he gets put in the room with the Dalek, why he doesn't immediately. I, I know it's dark and you can't really see it, but why he doesn't immediately recognize the Eye Stalk. I think there's probably a moment for him where he doesn't think it could be. And he doesn't yeah. compute the possibility until the 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 ears. I don't want to say the ears, but they are. Yeah, <laughs> until they are. The, until the, the ears flash. And um, the voice comes out and it's like, Doctor. Doctor. And he's like, <laughs> And he's like, impossible. Impossible. Yeah, but um, I mean, as we said, the Dalek design's amazing. I like how it really does look 
time war haggard. Like it's ripped apart. It's dirty. And I know obviously they've been messing with it as well, like mm. Van Staten, but it's it's rusty. It's old. It's slipped through because the time war's time locked. Yeah. Which I don't think they reference until maybe even series four about the time war being time locked. I'm sure there's a point in this where someone says, couldn't you go back and save them? He says, don't you, don't you think I would if I could or something? Something like that. Maybe that's in series two. Yeah, it's something about how the Doctor says he would go back, but it's almost, you can tell that the Dalek shouldn't have been able to get out, but it has. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's also been burning on an island for three years screaming. <laughs> Wasn't that what they said? Or three weeks. Three weeks screaming. And it's quite funny that um, you were saying when we were watching it about how it just sounds quite sad. <laughs> that like it's very oh, human. Yeah. Like it, it's creepy when Rose is talking to the Dalek, and you can tell. I think with retrospect, anyway, that it's manipulating her. It wants her to touch it because it knows that she has yeah. this kind of like time energy that it can absorb. Um, and it's kind of creepy watching a Dalek that's usually kind of dumb and just robotic and functional mm, mm. being manipulative, and its voice is quite human and soft, and it's like. I'm the last of my kind. Yeah, I agree. There's something that does get a little bit stale and a bit repetitive about a Dalek just kind of like... uh, Barking commands. Just barking, right? And just being like... It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exterminate. Nice. But when they show a little... (laughs) Exterminate. That was definitely... (laughs) Oh my God. When the Dalek translates itself for Germany. Incredible. When you see a Dalek show a little bit of tact and a bit of emotion and a bit Mm -hmm. of a... A little bit of brain. I, I love that. There's often times where... And I think this happened in, like, The Power of the Doctor, where the Dalek turns up and it's like, I have information to give you, I'm yes. going to want And you're just like, okay, fine, whatever. But when you meet a character like Rusty the Dalek or yeah. something else, and it has, for want of a better word, human... It's got a philosophy. Yeah, it's got philosophy. It has skill. It can think. And I think this is reflected, so obviously the Dalek escapes. Yeah. When it's in that room full of people, and it could... Ju- it, you know, the bullets that they're shooting at it aren't hurting it. It could just go around one by one and exterminate them all, but it doesn't. It looks up, sees the fire alarm, yeah. and it shoots that to get the water everywhere. It flies, so it's not effective, and then it does that trick shot where it yeah. electrocutes everyone. Yeah, there's a few moments in this episode where the Dalek is deliberately sadistic, and the mm-hmm. Doctor says, it wants us to see. Yeah. That's quite scary. Mm-hmm. I think so. It, it, it really does a good job, this episode, of making you fear Daleks. Because I think... It really gained a reputation with classic era, by the end of it certainly, of being silly. I think that when the Daleks were first introduced in the 60s, from what I've heard, they were, you know, hiding behind the couch, they were intimidating, they were scary. And I do think that they then gained a reputation for being sort of silly little pepper pots. And one thing that I find really interesting when reading about this episode is um, Robert Shearman, who was the writer, he spoke to his girlfriend while he was writing the episode and he said what are some of the things that you think are silly about the Daleks? Mm. And she said, the two things that came to mind were that they can't cop a flight of stairs and the toilet plunger on the end of it. Right. So he made a real point then when writing the episode that he would make sure that everyone knew that it couldn't be stopped by a flight of stairs, it could fly, and then show that the Dalek plunger could kill you in like Mm. a really horrific way. And I think that we again see that in series two when it sort of sucks the thoughts out of someone to the point where they're just like a hollow shell. Oh, it's horrible. There's a part Mm -hmm. in season two where like three, the three Daleks gang up on the scientist and they Mm -hmm. all stick their plungers on his head and they kind of like, they kind of like suck all the mush out, right? And they just drop to the floor as this little... And there's like a big cloud of dust. It's a horrible way to go. Yeah, it's a horrible way to go. But I do think he does do a really good job of making the Daleks scary again. Like, I remember being scared of this as a kid. Flashback to another thing that scared me. Mm-hmm. Not in a dissimilar vein. Diesel 10 from the Thomas the Tank Engine movie. Thomas the Tank Engine, The Magic Railroad. And there is an <laughs> evil train in that called Diesel 10. 
you might have to Google this, but he is a bronze metal train, mm-hmm. and he's got this horrible, sharp claw. Ooh. And it, like, looks like he can, like, crush and chew up other trains with it. Ooh. And for years, I had nightmares about that train. But there's something about... You can, you can make inanimate things dead freaky. And I don't know if I ever found the, the Daleks kind of nightmare freaky, ever. Mm-hmm. But, um... For me, that was the clockwork droids. They were the, they were the mm, nightmare thing. They were freaky. But um, yeah, I don't know. Did you ever get kind of nightmares? I, I as I mentioned before, I was kind of gate kept from the really scary Doctor Who. Oh my parents. yes, yeah. And I remember, so they would pre-watch episodes or find out about it and let me know if I was allowed to watch it, like if it was too scary. And I remember later in series two, they watched the Impossible Planet and they were like, "Oh, there's nothing too scary in this." There's the ood with like spaghetti just, in his mouth, and then the guy, you know, just Satan, just Satan, That's just what Satan. I was say. My my dad, the vicar, was like, "Oh." Just say ah, um, but they didn't you know the guy Toby Z. they didn't think he was that scary he has red contact lenses and like drawings on his face he's not Horrifying. scary but something about that really struck a chord with me oh, to the yeah. point where I used to subscribe to Doctor Who Adventures magazine right and um I would, every time I got a new issue, hand it immediately to them, and they would go through it, and if there was ever a picture of Toby Zed, they would get a Sharpie <gasps> and scribble it out, or get um, packing tape, brown packing tape, Stop. and stick it over the picture. So, like, Aww. if I still had these somewhere, I would have issues for, like, a good couple of years of Doctor Magazines that I had made them pre-screened to oh see if they had a picture God. of them in it, because I found it so scary. I... That feels more scary to me that you didn't cut it out. You just sharpied over his face. So he's still there. That he's still under there. One, that'd be, that'd be my other fear, right? If the one had opened the magazine and it's no longer sharpied oh, out, he's like, ah, he's he's I would have swapped out. one out to oh fuck with you. <laughs> so get a new copy, and it's like, oh my god, he's back! He's back! And you're like, <laughs> Terry Nation, who quite famously created the Daleks for the classic series. Um, his estate had had arguments with the BBC and the production as to whether or not they were going to actually let them have the rights to use the Daleks. Mm -hmm. So the writer of this episode, he came up with a backup plan, um, which I don't think you're going to see coming what it would have been. Okay. Um, If he couldn't have gotten the Daleks, and I do agree that it's better that he could use the Daleks, and obviously I can't imagine New Who now without them. He had designed these monsters that were these little spherical beings that seem like aliens and then at the end they open up and they have mutilated mutated humans from the future inside which later became the Toclophane from series three i was gonna say that's exactly what the Toclophane are yeah they 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 then developed that idea stole that idea i might say because he didn't write the episode but he had developed the idea for mutilated humans from the future coming back and being oh that's terrifying Mm -hmm. so would the doctor have maybe recognized what they are potentially i think they probably still would have used some kind of link to the time war yeah and had it be something to do with that yeah that would have been really freaky if we'd seen there's a lot of unused monsters from the time war right that we hear about things like the nightmare child Mm. and we never know exactly what those are and i by I can't way, decide if I want to or not. I ne- that's what I was going to say. I never want to see them. Because he screen. says, like, uh, I saw your command ship fly into the jaws of the, the Nightmare Child. The jaws of the Nightmare Child. So I, in my head, have a very clear idea of what that looks like. Right. But I never want to see it done. Because it takes away so much. You have to hear these I things I think there's a certain about. amount of um, the Time War. I, I remember being quite apprehensive when... Uh, in the 50th they said that they were going into the time war you Mm. were finally going to see the time war and I was a bit like "Mm, I don't know if I want to and I do think they like they made a real point of like you're coming at the end of the time war Mm. it's like all worn down and decrepit and it's just two losing sides at this point because I was worried that it would do exactly what you just said. We would see everything that we'd heard about and we'd be like oh I saw that different in my head. Yeah to be honest there were bits of the time war that almost weren't 
in that depiction as scary as they're described. There was something about the way the Time War was described later, which was like, mm-hmm. at the heart of the Time War, people being killed, just be brought back to life again and killed again. Yeah. And I was like, whoa. And I don't think we ever saw anything quite like that. It looked pretty kind of almost like classic Daleks versus Tumbles with guns. It was quite yeah. like, you know what I mean? It's quite traditional warfare anyway. Yeah, it does seem like there was... And I, what I've also heard is that the Doctor had committed, like... And they kind of, like, touched it in that it's the war Doctor because he, mm. he, does, he can't call himself the Doctor because he's not helping people. Mm. I think it's in the Doctor's Daughter. He says something there about... How was it? When you start killing, it infects you. And... Um, he said he's taken lives before, he's done worse, he's manipulated people into taking their own lives. Mm, he was saying in the time war he he got clever. He got with clever. It. And he kind of like you get the implication that he enjoyed it. Right. And I think I think he refers as well to himself in series that we've seen him in. I think that that also means episodes we've seen. Mm-hmm. Um I can't think which one he means in terms of killing himself. Getting people to kill themselves. I don't know. But it, there's certainly an implication that the horrors of the time war. Yeah. Were. He did some shit. So it's no wonder then when he sees the Dalek again that he's absolutely shit scared. He's shit scared. He's like, this guy's got my secrets. Yeah, literally. They and know what I did. He's going to start telling Rose. Exactly. About the things I did. Um, we do see for the first time in New Who um, an extermination, which we both were saying when we were watching the rewatch that it, it's very good. It holds up. Like, it's, it's, a, not, it's not changed much, I don't think, in New Doctor. It is a sick, terrifying effect. I love it. Um, there's With the skeleton, like, in the shadow of the person. Yes. Mm-hmm. There's a good compilation, actually, of that effect done, where they kind of, like, um, invert the screen. I think in Classic Who, you never... S- Maybe you began to see a skeleton later on, maybe towards maybe the seventh later, Doctor's run. Yeah, I know what you were going to say about how they used to just sort of invert the whole image, so the whole screen would go... Yeah, the whole colour of the screen was inverted as they got hit, mm. and then they kind of dropped down. Um, but you never saw the skeleton. I think that came in towards the end of the classic era. Mm-hmm. It did come in at some point, I think. I think this wasn't this isn't new that they've done the skeleton, but the skeleton looks really... Um, it looks really good. It's really, a really, good. really good. Yeah, effect. it's a horrible effect as well. You can kind of almost imagine how it feels. I know uh, you're watching it, and you can just really get the sense that these people are being like fried from the yeah, inside. Yeah, you can f- almost like feel the way they're being like electrified all the way. It's horrible, isn't it? I will say this: What did you think about the bullets thing? About how bullets almost can't touch them. There's like a little mini forceful because they they do this in this episode, and then they do it again at the end of series one. And then they never do it again. They kind of mm. drop that thing. And bullets don't really affect Daleks, but they bounce off them. Yeah. What do you think of the whole bullet, like, dematerialising and melting and just not... I, being... f- I think it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all right with it. <laughs> <laughs> no strong opinion. No strong opinion. That's fine. No. Uh... I do think it takes away the tactical advantage of being able to shoot a Dalek in its eye stalk. And, like, that's, like, the one way that a quote-unquote normal person can weaken But maybe that, maybe that maybe that is the part with no force field. Maybe it is the... the, the they shell. definitely, in series one in the finale, have the force field, but they do at one point shoot a Dalek in its eye stalk. But I can't remember if they... I can't remember if they got rid of the force field or not. I mean, we'll, the, have to, we'll have to do the rewatch. The only times we've, I think, seen a Dalek successfully shot on the eye stalk in New Who, there's once at the end of the series mm-hmm. where one is like, vision impaired, and then... And then Elaine the Pain gets exterminated. And then Elaine the Pain gets killed. And there was another point at the end of Series 4 where Wilf successfully hits a Dalek in the eye stalk with mm-hmm. a paintball gun, which was Bernard Cribbin's idea. Oh, was it? To add it in, yeah. Yeah. And um, he suggested it to Russell. I don't know why he had the idea, <laughs> but I know he came, it said he came to Rusty Davies with the idea and was like, oh, I was thinking, wouldn't it be good if... If you we know, did this. If we did this with a paintball gun. If Wilf had a paintball gun. And, <laughs> and I can imagine Russell just being like, 
Yeah, yeah, good idea. Good idea. <laughs> Let's do it. And it was great. I love the way that even then they're like the the paint dissolves on the eye. Like, My vision is not impaired. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. I I have seen enough videos of Nicholas Briggs doing the Dalek voice. But if you were the man behind the mic doing the Dalek voice, I think because you have to kind of talk like you're talking like a Dalek in the idioms, but you're not putting on like a robot yeah, you voice. Don't, yeah. I can't stop myself going like, because you add that bit in that and the modulator the, does for you. Right? And then it's going to be like double modulated. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure he's got a very specific setup he likes to use to do that. Yeah. he's. I mean, he's been doing it now on and off screen for the better part of 20 years. He knows what he's doing. I mean, on the voices, I love the modifications on the voices we occasionally get. So, for example, with the Dalek Emperor, mm. we get that they survive through me. It's very, yeah, the, he like that. rolls the R's and it's very through me. Oh, like, yes, because he's, he's almost like a, yeah, he's like, like a, a religious king. figure, isn't he? Yeah. Or like even the Supreme Dalek, it's like soon, like it's much more like Brian yes. Blessed almost, like that kind of thing. I love when they have that, like a little bit of pomp in their, in their voices mm. and like how the, like the normal Daleks almost like, uh, they're like more junior, right? Yeah, Like no, they've sure. got rank. They all sort of sound the same. And then the more senior you go, they sound different. And it's even funny watching this episode though, because we both were saying that you can tell that even just for the normal, like, you know, warrior Daleks say this is, mm. they've changed the effects ever so slightly. It sounds a little different. And also I think this Dalek, albeit it might just be because Rose is like, roses in it a little bit it sounds quite human at points oh, it yeah, has quite yeah, a lot yeah, of like yeah. feelings there's definitely a point after she touches the dalek where it starts to develop more of a human tone i think even when mm-hmm. it's manipulating her it almost starts to speak more softly mm-hmm. <laughs> and then at the end when um it's a uh, threatening to kill van staten it's like you tortured me yeah why yes. and, and um and then it's like i want freedom like it's yeah. very human i think that must be a very conscious I'm decision sure it's a from conscious production decision. of nicholas Briggs. he's a very talented voice actor yeah and of course he has a huge role in big finish and mm-hmm. managing other voice actors so he's he's very very good he's very craft. very good yeah yeah um i do love the connotations because at this point as we know like throughout the series the doctor is so like burnt by the time war he's become hardened by it and he needs rose to kind of soften him up which i really do think shows at the end of this episode the line where he's telling the dalek to kill itself and the dalek goes mm-hmm. you'd be a good dalek yeah because it's just it's he's just telling it to die and he's like you would make a good dalek yeah. i think that's so like cold and like it makes you shiver and then towards the end when he's like no i, I need to kill it i need to kill it and you respect him for it yeah, yeah. He, he's seen what one dalek can do yeah yeah and so he tries to kill it and rose is like Get out of the way. Get out of the way. What the hell are you becoming? What about you, Doctor? What about you, Doctor? It's changing. Yeah, and in this instance, she's right. But in any other instance, she would have been wrong. She would have been wrong. Imagine that thing is manipulated again. And uh, (laughs) out it goes and, like, single-handedly slaughters the human race. Exactly. Yeah, I... What was I going to say about that? Um, um, About the Doctor being cold and hard. Cold and hard? Jesus. Um... Yeah, I mean, the Doctor's, like, fully justified in doing this, right? But, it, yeah, it does require um, Rose to, like, you know, bring him down from... from Not from the ledge, that's not <laughs> what I mean. It takes Rose to bring him down a peg and de-escalate, right? And be yeah. like, hey, listen, you actually don't need to blow this little fucker to death. He's going he's to gonna kill himself anyway. He's going to kill himself. It's, um, it's, doctor, he's going to kill himself. It's fine. You know no. why? Because I'll tell him to. Because I'll tell him to. And I'm crying. Um, No, I mean, uh, yeah. I think the episode comes to a very satisfying resolve in that the Doctor doesn't have to kill the Dalek. I mean, you know, (laughs) later you see them blow up a million Daleks. Like, it doesn't really... It's just funny how much of a meme that, that line has become. 
kill, kill yourself. yourself. <laughs> but uh, it's not funny. I know, it, it, but it became but funny. It is funny. Um, but yeah, no, I I do think that the episode comes to a really good resolution where they don't they think the Daleks truly are gone. He has kind of a throwaway line where he's like, I I guess I won. I'm the survivor of the time war. And she's like, oh, Well, that you know, there was one more Dalek. You never know. There might be more people. Yeah, uh, of your people. And he's like, Now I'd feel them. I'd know. Feel and I'm just like, Oh, you think you'd know? Ooh, there is one wrong. running about. Oh, you got it wrong. No, it's not easy, it is it? Uh, the master's just somewhere like. Oh, oh, oh. No, what is at the end of time? To be fair, and he is he is disguised as a human. There you go. Which is why he couldn't detect him, right? That's very kind of true. <laughs> anyway, yes, but it's 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 quite a sort of sad line for the doctor, especially when you're watching this at the time. I guess where he says like, "No, I I really am alone," and Rose is like, "We've got me." And then guess who else they have by the end of the episode? Adam. Bloody Adam. Can we talk now, for a second about how much we hate Adam? Let's. I don't hate Adam. I, I mean, do. you're meant to hate Adam later on anyway, but even in the context of this where he's not meant to be a twat. Okay. The actor in real life has done some genuinely horrible crimes mm-hmm. and is not someone that we want to talk about. Um, but the character of Adam alone is someone that we're going to be... He's someone, yeah, that we want to talk about. I, based on Adam's on-screen appearances... I just hate him. We hate him anyway, we hate right? Him anyway. We hate Adam anyway, yeah. We weren't a fan. I mean, A, he's not as fit as Rose thinks he is. He's not as fit as he thinks he is. B, he's not got very many redeeming features. In fact, I guess he really only serves the purpose of, in the next episode, showing that not just any human can come along for the ride yeah. and a lot of people would exploit. I mean, we'll talk about that more next week, but I do think that he, as a character, serves a purpose. I just think he's just such an annoying little arsehole. <laughs> he's such an annoying little arsehole. Now, what we did discover, though, doing our research, Mm -hmm. is that there is an elaborate comic book series Mm -hmm. with Adam as almost like the Doctor Doom behind this whole... really interesting. It's really interesting. Adam essentially goes on a revenge mission because his mum died with the technology. Mm -hmm. Well, she died of a brain aneurysm. Mm -hmm. He tries in the next episode to steal technology from the future. Yeah. That would allow him to work out how to save her. He had the technology in his head to save her, but the Doctor had, like, disabled it. Yeah. So he's bitter and he's like, I could have saved her and you you stopped, you killed her. Yeah. So, I mean, but doing that would have caused a paradox and kind of changed the whole timeline yeah um so anyway he goes on a revenge mission kidnapping companions he goes through time i think he basically links up with the master yeah and then the master starts manipulating him without realizing and he goes through each of the doctor's regenerations and steals their companions yeah uh, up until i think the 11th doctor he steals clara um and when he finally confronts the ninth doctor he like has a huge go at him and he's like you're the one that left me and as you can imagine chris Ferguson's performance would be like unbothered he's like hey, you did this to yourself <laughs> uh, and i think he like kicks the doctor he but then kicks kidnaps the doctor. rose can you imagine um, that on screen giving the doctor a good whack and then running <laughs> off. I mean, how how did he kidnap rose is my other question i know Come rose would not let that happen but yeah. he, he does and um then there's this plot where i think the master and him release a load of autons and i think something about we need to properly maybe this is one for like a full episode but he does something where he steals the tardises and i think the master wants to use the arch energy in the tardises to explode and wipe out the universe and adam then has to decide if he really wants to be responsible for the destruction of the universe and as spoken about i don't want the actor that played adam in series one to come back and oh, never to do with the franchise yeah. but this version of adam at this point is much older and yeah. I would be so down. <laughs> so interested to see that kind of cameo from an old companion. Not even right? like a cameo. I'd be so interested in like an overarching villain that's like yeah. maybe revealed at the end to be a companion that got slighted and yeah. has come back. To be and someone who feels that they were kind of wrong yeah. by the Doctor and along the way. You could so easily recast him. It'd be a man in his 
like 60s at this point. Yeah. And I think that that would be so interesting to see a companion who feels like they've been wronged by the Doctor uh, come back and have their revenge. I see what you mean. It shouldn't It shouldn't be Adam, but I love the idea of this plot line and yeah. I think he's got a great motive to do it. Mm-hmm. But as mentioned in this episode, he's just kind of there. He's a bit of a wet blanket. He did create that amazing meme where Rose is like... I'm gobsmacked. I'm gobsmacked. But anyway, that comic book series actually ends with um, Adam dying. Yeah. By stabbing. And he's the first companion to be unambiguously killed off screen. Well, not off screen, but in a piece of spin off media. Yeah, because I mean, I, I, that's the only time that's happened. I don't know how canon, again, in Doctor, it's like everything's canon unless otherwise. For example, Goodbye Sarah Jane, I think it's called, where they talk about Sarah Jane's funeral. Obviously, that's not on screen, but to me, I consider that canon. Now we've had the return of Tegan and Ace, I don't actually know how canon it is, because they mention in that that Ace took K9 and has K9 now, and that Tegan was with Nyssa. I just don't know how canon it is, but it is interesting that in a Doctor Who BBC comic, they have the death of a companion. I love that. Yeah, I think it's so interesting. Kill him. Um, but yes, Adam then joins the Doctor and Rose for one more adventure, which we'll discuss soon, the long game, uh, as they leave the museum as it's about to be filled with cement. Yes. And I think that pretty much wraps up the episode. Would you like to talk about some fun facts? Yeah, go on, fun facts. Um, so one thing I thought was interesting about this episode is when the Doctor first meets the Dalek, it was written in the script that he was kind of just going to be mocking the Dalek. You know, the bit right. at the end where he's like, fantastic, uh, what are you? You're useless, um, because of the examinator not working. Uh, and it was just written to be sort of making fun of it. He's like, yeah. you're, you're chained. And Christopher Eccleston sort of arrived on set and was like, no, I want to bring rage. I want right. to bring anger. Okay. And he's shouting, and, which I think is completely the right yeah, yeah, motif. Yeah. He's seeing this thing that he blames for the death of his entire species, and he's so angry and rageful, and apparently uh, Robert Sherman, the writer, was quite miffed by oh, that. Really? Like He was kind of like, oh, you're changing how I've written it. Right. And then when he watched The Rushes back, he was like, oh, no, that works That works better. so much better. That works so much better, which rightfully so. I can't imagine it any other way. That's one of the defining moments of the Ninth Doctor, right, is that, is that fury. Yeah. Um, and, and I love it. And I love the way as well that he's planning to exterminate the Dalek mm-hmm. purely on like a pragmatic level. Yeah. Um, it's like, it, you will kill people, so I will kill you. So I'll kill you first. Yeah. Like, you it's know, the trolley dilemma. Yeah, yeah, you know what? Yeah, maybe we're not that different. Exterminate. I really, really, really like that. Yeah, I know I like that too. It's so funny. Also, I think this is just a silly fun fact. Um, Van Staten was originally going to be called Will Fences as a pun on Bill Gates. Oh, please. <laughs> Do you think there would have been two on the nose? Oh, please. Will Bill Fences. Why did it have to Gates? be Bill Gates? What was the Bill Gates hate? Though? I think it's just kind of like, I mean, nowadays I think it would be Elon Musk, but it's like the right. big overarching billionaire who no one really knows what they get up to does he own the internet does he not like that kind of thing it'd be called Silo Munsk <laughs> Silo Munsk I can completely see Milo Sunsk Milo <laughs> um, and this was also the first and only episode of series one that doesn't feature the interior of the TARDIS oh yeah They it opens with them they like coming out, out and ends with them going in and you never see the inside you never see Adam inside the TARDIS in either of the episodes he's in I've got a bit of a Mandela effect moment with this mm-hmm. in my head when Adam steps into the TARDIS on the side shot you hear him go whoa I don't think that happens no he he's like um what are you doing inside a blue box Rose and as soon as he says Rose he just gets in the door shuts and it yeah away. in my head I keep waiting for the bit where he goes whoa I don't know why I keep thinking that's gonna happen I had a dream so this is so not to do with this episode but I had a dream 
that, um, and I think it must have been something to do with uh, that episode in the series where Jack is like holding onto the outside of the TARDIS. And I always thought there was a bit where Rose falls out of the TARDIS. I think I must have dreamt it one day. And the Doctor is like leaning out and he's got his hand and they're in the time vortex and she's like falling and he's having to like pull her in. And for years, I thought that was a part of, and I think series one, I think in my mind it was Christopher Eccleston. And I would like as a kid go through the DVDs trying to find that bit. (laughs) And it obviously wasn't there because it didn't happen. Maybe. But I fully thought there was a Such a vibrant imagination on you. I should be a writer. Such a little creator. Have you you ever tried writing? a Doctor episode I don't think I have listen guys we're gonna get out our little a <laughs> little click clack typewriters and we're gonna come back to you with a pitch do you know who I think would be a good ear in a pitch for Doctor Who so we were watching this episode back with my boyfriend in the room who is not by any means a Doctor Who fan um, and he sort of turned to us and he was like do you know what I think? <laughs> and we were like, go on, baby, what do you go think? Go on, share. Um, and he was saying, which is a good point, that the Doctor or the Companion or both should, in one iteration of the show, be non-humanoid. Because yeah. the Doctor can regenerate into anything and the Companion could be anyone. Yeah. Frobisher the Penguin. Frobisher <laughs> the Penguin. So why are they always people? Like, why why are they always humanoid? I think we do need at least a, like, additional Companion for a couple of rides who's non-humanoid would be great. There was, I think, a new Companion for an 11th Doctor comic quite recently where they were human or humanoid, but they had, I think, robot arms and legs like they were Ooh. like an android we did get one for a bit we got handles in the uh, time of the doctor i don't know if i count it like i, I get what you mean but he like was it's very attached. one episode he was very attached, he was to very attached. when handles in powers down he's like well done mate well done <laughs> yeah no, well I know. done mate so do you have any fun facts out sir oh um no no well that's who's done <laughs> you know they say at the end of meetings at work i can't stand but let's do it here what? right well you can have a few minutes of your time back Oh, oh, no. oh, I hate that. All right, you have five minutes back then. Oh, five minutes back? I can barely pee. Are you kidding? No, I hate that. Um, but thank you for joining us on this uh, whirlwind adventure Woo! when we look back on Dalek. Um, We've we... got a lot of topics we want to cover, actually, next. Yeah, I was going to ask. Um, um, actually, I was going <laughs> to... Can you actually <laughs> tell us right now? <laughs> uh, hey, I was going to um, I was gonna ask, babe, do you think... And then we just sit. <laughs> well, I know that one thing that Alison wants to talk about a lot is Murray Gold soundtracks. I want to talk who. about soundtracks badly. Mm-hmm. I think we also need to have a look back at the Christmas specials. I was going to say, I really want to look back on all of the Doctor Christmas specials. And because uh, it's the first year we're not having a festive special. I know that in Jodie's year we had New Year's specials. I which, barely believe it. Yeah, I know. It, it does feel really weird seeing the Radio Times line up and not having anything Doctor Who in there. Summer of my dumb clown head they're gonna put a surprise episode of Doctor Who on at Christmas and it's they're like, just gonna have an hour slot that's like unannounced on Christmas Day primetime at, TV at 7pm we'll know what it is if the BBC were going to air a rewatch of a single Doctor Who festive special yeah. on Christmas Day 7pm because there isn't a new one what would you want to be on when you turn on the TV now the easy go to is the Christmas invasion, mm-hmm. but we're at risk here of a David Tennant oversaturation because it isn't his show. There are a lot of other Doctors. So the episode I realised really recently, I I really like that we might have to look at together. I don't I don't mm-hmm. know if you've seen or remember it well, but it's um I think it's Last Christmas with Peter Capaldi and Jenna Coleman. Uh, no, I do remember that episode because um it had the actress that everyone thought was going to be the new companion in it. Ah yeah, Faye Marseille. Faye Marseille, yeah, yeah, and she I loved her because I'd seen her in Pride. Have you seen Pride? I haven't seen Pride. I know. Have you not? I'm shocked. Oh my god, you actually do need to see I'm sorry. That. Well, we can rewatch her in Last Christmas. Um, and I think she was in something else recently as well. She's been in Andor recently, also playing a queer character, and she's fantastic. Mm. She's very prominent in that. She's I do really need good. to watch Andor. That's me. Andor's excellent. I do need to watch. Everyone said that I do need to watch. But no, we really do want to hear what you want to hear from us as upcoming topics. Um, reach out to us on Twitter and Instagram, both at Hulalapod. Yes, we answer our DMs. 
We actually do. <laughs> we actually do. We actually do. Any interaction you have with it is either me or Alistair. It's usually Sam. It's Sam normally is a lot quicker on the laptop. It's not that I don't want to. It's that I'm disorganized and uh, inconsistent. I think Alistair comes up with really creative posts, but if you ever see someone just tweeting nonsense or like replying, it's normally me. But no, thank you for joining us in this episode of Hula La, looking back at Dalek. Um, please follow us on all socials. Leave us a glowing review. That'd be very nice. Oh, please. Uh, and we will see you next week. Speak to you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.